So here we are, we're in week three of our sermon series, Living the Five. Everybody hold five up in the air. Five, all right, we're in week three of Living the Five. So we've got three principles that we're going to be learning, uh, that we've learned over these first three weeks, we will have learned over these first three weeks, and two more to go. So I just want to do some catch up and make sure that you remember what we've been talking about. It's a big deal to remember what you hear about in church on Sundays. This is not a graded test and it has nothing to do with your salvation or whether you're not, whether or not you'll enter into the pearly gates. So if you have forgotten, that's okay. This is a low pressure thing. Are you ready? Okay. The first principle that we learned at, uh, learned about in this series is that growing people pray. All right. We're going to say that together on the count of three. We're going to say growing people pray. Are you ready? One, two, three, growing people pray. That's right. People who are going to grow in their life and faith are going to be people who pray because when we pray, um, we establish a connection with God that allows us to understand God's plan and God's purpose for our life. Even more than that, whenever we open ourselves up in prayer, God informs us of his plan and his purposes, uh, which helps us uh, in turn understand who we are called to be in this world. Growing people pray and praying people grow. If you want to grow in your life and faith, I encourage you to begin a daily habit of prayer. It doesn't have to be long, but take some time out of your day. Set aside some time to be alone with God. Even as you study scripture, just take some time to be alone with God in prayer. So growing people pray. That was week one. Week two, which was last week, we introduced a second principle and that's that you can't do life alone. All right, we're gonna say that again together. You can't do life alone. One, two, three. You can't do life alone. You can't do life alone. Wait, let me rephrase that. You can do life alone. You can. It's just terrible. It really is. It really, I mean, you can brush your teeth with gasoline. It's not good. It might kill you. You can. It's just not good. Doing life alone is dangerous. It opens us up to all sorts of trials and temptations um, that we wouldn't otherwise experience if we found ourselves in a group of people who would love us and pray for us and walk with us through the hard times of life. Because the truth is we are all going to face hard times and we need people who show genuine Christian love and concern for us as we go about our walk of faith. So, Growing people pray. You can't do life alone. Are you ready for this week's principle? It's much simpler. It's much simpler. Are you ready? Okay, it goes like this. Blessed people bless people. Okay, can we say that together? Blessed people bless people. Blessed people bless people. You know, I love the story uh, that we read about, uh, that we heard read this morning, the story of Zacchaeus, encounter with Jesus. You know, it's one of the best known uh, texts from the entire New Testament. And it's a human story, right? It's, it's a human sort of story. It's the story of a short man scrambling up a tree uh, to, to get a picture of this man named Jesus who's coming down the road. Now, I can remember a time in my life um, when I was maybe five or six years old and I was at Disney World. Uh, when you're five and six years old at Disney World, you want to see everything. I mean, you, you want to see everything. And at three o'clock every day in Disney World, do you know what happens? 
every, a parade, everything goes to a standstill because the parade is coming. The parade is coming, right? And when you're five or six years old, you can't think of anything cooler than Mickey Mouse and lights and Donald Duck and Goofy on parade down Main Street. And so your first priority, my first priority as a five or six year old at Disney World was to see. Well, guess what? When you're five or six years old, you are vertically challenged. You have, you have altitude issues when you're five or six years old. You can't see over the adults who are just as fired up about the three o'clock parade. Am I right? You can be honest. This is a place of trust here at Pittman Park. You're fired up about the parade, even as an, I am as an adult at Disney World. And so everybody's sort of crowding forward. And if you're a child, what you need is for somebody to pick you up and hold you. I, I put Addie up on my shoulders the last time we went to Disney World so that she could see. I couldn't see a thing because I'm still not, I'm still a little bit vertically challenged. So um, I put her on my shoulders and she could see everybody. And that was just the biggest deal for her to be able to see. Zacchaeus wanted to be able to see. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd that had gathered. You know, we think of Zacchaeus and his story and we smile, right? Because we remember that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, that he climbed way up in a sycamore tree for the Lord that he, want, he wanted to see. And as this savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and he said, you guys know this. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. You know this, right? We know this, this story. We know this song. And we love it, don't we? The truth is we've tamed Zacchaeus' story a lot. We've really tamed the story of Zacchaeus a great deal. Um, Zacchaeus lived a hard life. And I want to propose to you this morning that this is one of the most provocative and one of the most challenging pieces of scripture that we have in the gospels. This story has the power to change our lives because this encounter changed the life of a man named Zacchaeus. Now let's take just for a minute a very careful look at Zacchaeus and the world that he lived in. Zacchaeus lived in a city called Jericho, that very same Jericho that had the great big walls. You remember that story? That's another great children's story um, about how the walls of Jericho fell down. Same Jericho. Zacchaeus happens to live there and he is the chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus, uh, excuse me, Jericho was this oasis of date palm trees and it would export all of its beautiful, beautiful produce um, and goods all over the world because Jericho actually sits on some very major trade routes. So it's a hustling, bustling kind of place. There's all sorts of activity, not only from trade, but also human and cultural activity. It's a commercial center in a lot of ways. In fact, Jericho was such an incredible place that Mark Anthony once gave the city to Cleopatra with Arabia on the side. That was a gift from Mark Anthony to Cleopatra. Jericho was a happening place. Now Zacchaeus, as I said, he was the chief tax collector for the Roman government in the city. And, and now that doesn't mean he was the tax collector. He wasn't one of the tax collectors. He was the tax collector. He was the face of the government. 
He was the person that everyone knew was taking a little bit out of, out of their paychecks. Now, you all get pay stubs, right? Do you ever look at your pay stub? I do. I look at the big number on my pay stub. Well, maybe not the big number on my pay stub, but the number on my pay stub. And then out to the right side, what do you see? Minus, right? <laughs> minus, 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 minus. All the way down the right side. And you're like, I just wish I knew who was in charge of all the minuses. I get that guy. Zacchaeus was that guy. (laughs) Zacchaeus was the guy in charge of all of the minuses. He had a whole slew of guys beneath him who would assess taxes and duties on the people of the city. And Zacchaeus got wealthy doing this. You know how powerful Zacchaeus was? He and his tax collecting buddies could stop you If you were in a cart that was being pulled by a mule full of merchandise, he could stop you and he could tax you for each wheel on the cart. That's a big deal. That's twice. You could be taxed twice on the cart. He could tax you for the animal that was pulling the cart. And he could also tax you for the merchandise that was in the back of the cart. Zacchaeus had a lot of power. Zacchaeus can make your life miserable. Zacchaeus was good at what he did. He was very good at keeping the Romans at bay by making sure that they got the money that they wanted while padding his pockets because he had the privilege of Roman power and authority to tax the people at whatever rate he felt like. The system was ripe for abuse. And as this passage states, Zacchaeus was rich. Now, that's not a nice thing to say about Zacchaeus. It's more like an indictment of Zacchaeus and his character. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was rich. He gained his wealth in service to invaders at the expense of his very own people. He was regarded as human filth by the people that he lived around. Zacchaeus, his name meant the pure one and the righteous, but he turned his name into a curse on the lips of his fellow Jews. He was a standing joke inside of the city and the mere mention of his name evoked disgust. And don't get me wrong, the money was nice. We'll do all sorts of things for money, won't we? But to live as an outcast among your own people with no one to call your friend, no social life, no involvement with others except those who wanted to use you for their own ends. That had to be a lonely, miserable, depressing existence. But along comes Jesus. Along comes Jesus, this, this prophet, this, this teacher, this Messiah, And Zacchaeus hears that he's not just any prophet or teacher or Messiah, but he's one who's a friend with with children and a friend of women and a friend of sinners and a friend of even tax collectors. Zacchaeus hears this about this Jesus who's coming down the road and he climbs a tree, not simply to see Jesus as he comes down the road, but to protect himself from the angry crowd that might be down below that would surely take care of Zacchaeus if he was caught off guard. Along comes this Jesus. 
who's a friend of people who are on the fringes of society and those who are rejected by the trends of culture. Hmm. Here comes Jesus. Zacchaeus' only hope really was to climb the tree, to get a good glimpse of this man named Jesus. And when he does, when Jesus comes into view down the road, something incredible happens. Jesus doesn't just pass Zacchaeus by and continue on his way. Jesus stops. And he says, Zacchaeus, pure one, righteous one. That's his name. You who've been called every other name in the book. Pure one. Righteous one. Come down from that tree. Come down from that tree for I'm going to your house today. Jesus sees people differently than you and I see people. Jesus saw Zacchaeus very differently than the crowd below saw him. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he sees the miserable state of his condition. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he sees his loneliness and his hurt and his pain. Jesus sees Zacchaeus with these eyes that surely must have pierced him to his very core. And he says, Zacchaeus, you, want, you who are pure, you who are righteous, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus, he wastes no time scrambling down from the tree and he welcomes Jesus gladly, gladly into his home. And, and you've got to imagine why Zacchaeus probably hadn't had house guests or dinner guests in years. People didn't want to go to Zacchaeus' house, but here's Jesus wants to go to Zacchaeus' house. And we don't know what happened there. We don't know about the party. We don't know about the guest list. We just know that the townspeople weren't too happy about that. And we know that Zacchaeus does something incredible in response to Jesus seeing him and calling him by name. He decides to give half of his yearly income to the poor and to return any stolen goods, any che anything he's cheated anyone on four times over. The Jewish law only said that he needed to pay 20% restitution, but Zacchaeus felt like 400% interest was a little more appropriate. Something in that encounter with Jesus, when Jesus saw him and called his name, changed the way Zacchaeus saw the world. Instead of seeing people who needed to be fleeced for everything that he could get from them, Zacchaeus began to see people who were in need. Zacchaeus began to see people who were hurt and beaten down and broken, just like he was. When Jesus sees us and Jesus calls our name, he changes the way we see the world. We no longer see the world the way other people see the world. Where we once saw the rich and the poor and Democrats and Republicans, whites and blacks and Hispanics, now we see real people 
with real human needs. Where we once saw lines that divided us, we now see only people lost and hurting just like we are. Salvation, it comes to Zacchaeus' house and he is forever changed from a taker to a giver. This man who'd made his living taking from others and suddenly after one meal with Jesus, he's given away money like the United Way of Jericho. As a pastor, I've seen it happen again and again. When Christ takes up residence in our hearts, when Christ takes up residence in our lives, suddenly we become generous. Somehow Jesus loosens our grip on our wallet or our pocketbook. Not only that, but he loosens our grip on our time and on our talents and on our gifts and our abilities. Jesus has this way of saying, shift your framework. Let go of the things you think are so important and make you so secure. And look at the world how I see it. Look at the people around you who are suffering. Look at the people around you who have needs that you can meet. Giving, whenever we see giving through the eyes of Jesus is more of a blessing and an opportunity than it is a requirement. It becomes something we do as a result of what Christ has done for us. We say that blessed people, when we say that blessed people bless people, we aren't just talking about giving, we're talking about using all of the resources we have, leveraging everything that we've got, all of our time and our talents and our gifts and our abilities, and yes, even our money, to bring healing and hope to people who are in desperate need, people like Zacchaeus, people like you were when Jesus saw you and called your name. Christ asks us to leverage all that we have to bring salvation to the houses of people who are far from God right here in Statesboro, across the world in places like Haiti and the Dominican Republic or South Africa and the Sudan. Jesus calls us to leverage what we have in our hands for their sake, not just to store up blessings for ourselves. God blesses us that we might be a blessing to this world. I am convinced in a world consumed by consumerism that Jesus calls us to be those who share with others rather than those who just consume and hoard. That Jesus calls us to leverage whatever it is, meager or much, whatever we have at our disposal, to touch those who are hurting, who are sick, and who are far from God so that they might know God's love and presence in their own life. I said it earlier this morning that this is Memorial Day weekend and that we stand as recipients of an incredible blessing, the blessings of freedom, freedom to work, freedom to worship, freedom to pursue happiness in this nation. As recipients of such a great blessing, shouldn't we 
be offering that very same blessing to the rest of the world? The opportunity for joy, for worship, for work, for meaning and purpose in this world. We are great recipients of an incredible blessing. Ought we to be the people to bless the world because we have been so blessed? I think so. It's interesting. Jesus makes this proclamation about, uh, about Zacchaeus. At the very end of this text, he says that Zacchaeus is now a child of Abraham. That Zacchaeus has become a child of Abraham. Do you remember what God told Abraham when he called him to follow him? He told Abraham, this is way back in Genesis. Abraham, if you come and follow me, I'll take you to a land and I will bless you that you and your descendants might be a blessing. And here's Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst, a man whose name was a joke, gets it. And he turns his city, I'm sure, upside down because he learned that blessed people bless people. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Holy God, we cling to so many things, believing that they will bring us safety and security in this life and in this world. We are guilty of hoarding your blessings as individuals, as families, even as the church, we are guilty of storing up your blessings for ourselves instead of sharing your blessings with the world. Help us, O oh God, to know that when you call our name, you aren't calling us to be part of a club, but you are calling us to share, to share the life which we receive through you, to share our gifts, our talents, and our abilities, to share even of our wealth, that the whole world might know your incredible love and your incredible grace. God, thank you for blessing us. May we be a blessing to this world. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.